Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. Rob Breckenridge with you. Angela Cocod is uh, in with uh, Calgary today following the 3 o'clock news. A couple other things to get to in our time remaining here, but as mentioned, revisiting this uh, conversation around prostate cancer, which look, I think is an important conversation to have. And it does seem as though men are getting mixed messages. So we told you last week, again, this New England Journal of Medicine study. It's a pretty prestigious medical journal. Following uh, men over a period of 10 years and finding no difference in mortality rates between those who were simply had their cancer monitored and those who had active intervention, you know, radiation, surgery, etc. So I guess the point is that that's, that's men whose cancer has already been found. So there's the step before that in finding the cancer in the first place. So we had on with us Dr. James Dickinson to talk about that study and also the research he was involved in earlier this year. It was published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal Open that found there wasn't uh, a reduction in mortality rates associated with PSA testing, with that, that screening. So how active should we be on the screening front? Uh, furthermore, how active should we be when it comes to, to intervening? prostate cancer uh there's of course the risk of uh false positive diagnosis there's a a lot involved in treating that cancer and i think the point made by dr dickinson was that a lot of men will die with prostate cancer but not necessarily from prostate cancer uh but some of what he said um i think our next guest uh, objected to so i didn't want to get you know another side in in this Uh, dr brian donnelly joins us He's a urologist with the Calgary Health Region. He's a clinical associate professor at the University of Calgary and is co-founder and chairman of the Prostate Cancer Center in Calgary. Uh, Dr. Donnelly, welcome to the program. Thanks very much. All right. Well, what then do you make of, of these studies? And we're taking a look at the big picture as it pertains to mortality rates. How much does that tell us? Well, there's a lot of controversy in, in uh, the diagnosis of prostate cancer today, but this particular study is a, is a really very good study and an extremely difficult study to conduct. And I have to compliment the people who did it. It's, they've pulled off a mammoth task. The results don't really, uh, they're not surprising. It doesn't tell us a whole lot that we didn't already know because uh, there's a couple of things about prostate cancer that your average listener really needs to understand and to appreciate in in that first of all prostate cancer is a slow growing cancer and not a whole lot of men die from their prostate cancer within a 10-year window of being diagnosed when most of the deaths tend there are some who die more quickly but happily it's a slow growing disease as i said most men die from their prostate cancer in the second decade after they're diagnosed or sometimes treated and this particular paper looks at people in their first 10 years so that's one thing to understand slow slow development of the disease the second thing though is that prostate cancer is a term that's applied to a spectrum of cancers it's not one cancer 
And again, from the point of view of your listener, I think an easy way, hopefully at least an easy way to explain the nature of the disease is that the disease is a bit like a hockey team in that you've got a goaltender, you've got defensemen who sometimes are stay-at-home defensemen, and you've got a centre and wingers, and the wingers are the flyers. The cancers that were dealt with in this particular uh, study are the goaltender and the stay-at-home defensemen, the low-grade, low-risk ones. So if you're managing the Calgary Flames and the, the Pittsburgh Penguins are coming to town, you're not too worried about their goaltender, but you're worried about Sidney Crosby and the wingers. And those are the guys that we're looking out for, and those are the ones that kill people. And those are the ones that we're chasing after when we go to diagnose them. So the paper deals with the goalie and the stay-at-home defenseman. Great. We're not too fussed about them. It's the other guys we're looking for. And the only tool that we really have today, and it's not perfect, to find these guys is PSA. Okay, so that's detecting the cancer in the first place, right? The the study last week in the New England Journal of Medicine, that was involved men who had already been diagnosed with cancer and then how to respond to that that diagnosis yeah well it it also actually believe it or not that study dealt with going out into the population using the PSA as a blood test to find cancer and they actually found a much higher incidence in their population than we do in ours they they found it in three and a half percent of their guys we find it in seven point seven five percent of our guys so they they started at a later stage i would feel but so they dealt with the looking for the disease or screening is the word that's applied to that and then having made the diagnosis of the low-grade disease their paper doesn't deal with the high-grade diseases that they diagnosed they only deal with the low-grade ones uh they then looked at whether treating them actively or just watching them made a difference. And within that first 10 years, the death rate was, was very similar in all three options, Treat, treatment with surgery, treatment with radiation, or active surveillance. However, in their active surveillance people, 55% of them actually had opted and had to have treatment within that 10-year window. And after 10 years, three times as many men in that group had disease that had progressed and spread beyond a curable stage. Okay, because part of then the, the concern raised is that if men have cancer that does not need to be dealt with, why the need to, to screen for it in the first place? Well, um, because first of all, if you don't know that the cancer is there, you don't know what type of cancer it is and what it's likely to do. Uh, today, knowledge is power. So if you know, for example, if it's yourself, if you know that you have a prostate cancer, but it's not one that's aggressive, it's not one that's likely to do anything, we would then put you into a program here that we call active surveillance, which is a very common program, by the way, across Canada, where we keep an eye on you and we monitor the PSA, we monitor the tissue, we keep a close eye on you. Whereas if you happen to have a cancer that's one of these high-flying wingers, an aggressive one that's likely to progress and kill you, would you like to have it treated or are you willing to wait until seven, eight, nine, ten years down the road when we tell you, listen, this thing has spread and we can do nothing about it? Right. Well, and that's a scary prospect. Um, but I mean, even just the word cancer is a scary prospect. Yes, yes. So when, when we tell men this, that your, your PSA suggests that there, there's a problem here, is, is the expectation then, well, do something, please get it out of me, treat this. 
there's no question when you use the word cancer, everybody's first reaction is get rid of it, kill it, sort it out. But today we actually spend a lot of time explaining and trying to educate patients on the nuances of prostate cancer and the fact that some of them are ones we can keep an eye on and we don't have to worry. So, uh, in fact, we could be more of a problem for those patients than the disease. So those guys we try not to treat. Some of those guys, though, can't sleep at night. They want something done, and we will do something in those cases. But we try to educate them to the point where they're willing to stay with us and stay on the active surveillance program. But then as against that, remember, there are other guys who've got more aggressive disease, and we know it's going to kill them, and we want to do something about those, and those we intervene. Okay, well, for those for whom the cancer is not likely to kill them, the the interventions are not without risk either, right? Surgery is, is, oh, is yeah, difficult. But, they, but no, they're not. We're not we don't difficult. operate in them. Like the, so let's say you come in to me and your PSA is high and we send you for a biopsy and we find that you've got some low-grade cancer, like right. the stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah. We ain't going to operate on you. We're not going to treat you with radiation. We're actually not going to treat you with anything other than repeated visits to us and blood tests uh, at usually six-month intervals. We will probably do another biopsy on you two or three years down the road unless something changes in the interim that promotes us to do it sooner. And we'll follow you for years and years and years. There are, we have a series of patients here. We have about seven or 800 people in our active surveillance program here. There's a similar program, which is probably the longest one in the world, in Toronto, where they would have a lot of people over 10 years, and they've just published their results, their six-and-a-half-year follow-up results, showing that, you know, the Gleason 6s, the low-grade ones, were not a problem, but the Gleason 7s, they're ones that can give you, give you trouble and they can kill you and you need to do something about them. And so we, we, we can't do anything if we don't know it's there. Okay, but what, what's done in other countries? I, I, the point's been made to me that, that we do a lot more PSA screening in Canada than they do, say, in, in maybe other European countries. Is that the case? No, no. We would not do as much as the States, but we certainly would do more than, for, uh, than England, I think. England has been slower in its uptake than here. And the paper, remember, came out of England. In Europe, it's, used, it's, it's been used uh, widely. And, and probably the best study on on the, the role of PSA um, in, in managing the patients was done out of Europe on about 190,000 men. And that shows that, that at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years, if you have a PSA test done and you're found to have cancer, your chances of dying from the disease are, are somewhere in the order of 30% less than if you don't ever have a PSA done. Right. It's showing a significant difference in survival rate. From... From what? We're talking the, yeah, about another the country? People, the people who are screened and tested have a much longer survival than the people who are not screened and end up with prostate cancer and dying from it. Okay. What are the other ways we detect prostate cancer without the, I mean, the two tools that we have are the digital rectal exam where we feel the prostate with our finger. Right. Um, and I can tell you the PSA is way, way more sensitive. The second tool we have is the PSA. And for the moment, that's all we've got. Now, labs around the world, including our own lab, are working feverishly to come up with a better tool than PSA. And we will come up with that. We haven't come up with it yet, but we will. Um, and that, that will be a very big help. But for the present, the best tool we've got, and it's not a perfect tool, but the best tool we've got is PSA. And the thing that 
bothers me is you're a guy, I'm a guy. Right. I know if you're, if you're anything like me, I tell you, I never go to see a doc. The last thing I want to do is go and do something like that. And us guys are very poor at looking after our health. Um, and so when somebody says, oh, you know what, don't, you don't need to get your prostate checked, it's just another excuse for a guy to not go and get his prostate checked. Prostate cancer is the, is the commonest cancer in men. Uh, it used to be the second commonest cancer killer. It's now the third commonest cancer killer. Hallelujah. We would like to be the 23rd commonest cancer killer. Um, and we want, so we want to go down that, that league table uh, as cause of death. But the reason that we're going down the league table is because we're able to find it early and intervene in those cases that need intervention but not intervene in those cases that do not need intervention. All right. Well, Dr. Donnelly, appreciate uh, you providing this perspective. Thanks for making some time for us here this afternoon. Okie dokie. Thanks for the opportunity to talk. Take care. Dr. Brian Donnelly is a urologist at the Calgary Health Region, is an associate professor at the University of Calgary, and is co-founder and chairman of the Prostate Cancer Center Calgary, prostatecancercenter.ca. Uh, another quick break here. We're going to come back on a few other issues to get to here in our time remaining. It's afternoons on News Talk 770. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.